Amen. Amen. Come on, are y'all guys ready? Get your Bibles out, and I'm going to do something right now. I want to, I'm going to preach a wild sermon. It's going to be awesome. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about prayer again. We're, we're in a prayer revolution. Is answered prayer conditional? Nobody said a word. I don't think everybody's scared to. Is it conditional? Yeah, most of it is. Now, I'm going to read a couple scriptures because I need, we need to talk about the modern-day church in America today because a lot of times people have some pretty weird expectations of what they think should go on in church. And we need to debunk a few items and show you that some things we believe aren't true and some things we need to make some adjustments. Y'all ready to make adjustments? Now, go to Matthew 8, 16. I want to read this. I want to show you this because it's a good foundation for me to kick off. Matthew 8, 16, it appears to me as a lot of people, we're talking about prayer and we're talking about getting your prayers answered, and there's a lot of people that don't get prayers answered. They don't get them all answered. They don't, there's a lot of people that don't get any prayers answered, and they walk out almost bewildered at why God is ignoring them. Well, one of the reasons is you haven't met the condition. A lot of things Jesus put a condition on it, and you've got to do something, or he's not answering your prayer. Now, a lot of times people want to go, I prayed earnestly. I was sincere. I was in trouble. There's nothing in the Bible that says just because you're in trouble, God's going to answer your prayer. There's a lot of people on the earth that are in worse shapes than you or praying and not a thing's happening. It isn't that God's insensitive. On Sunday morning, we're talking about unconditional love, but prayer is conditional. Now, I told you to turn to Matthew, and I want to show you something, and I need to debunk something right off the bat. Matthew 8, 16. It says, and when evening come, they brought to him many demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all that were sick. You know... People today, we're going to talk about people praying for the sick, praying for people to be healed in church. The Bible says that we're to go into all the world and preach with signs and wonders. You know, when you're coming into Orlando and you're coming from uh, Jacksonville, you're going to see signs. Orlando, 50 miles. Orlando, 20 miles. You're not in Orlando because you got a sign. It's telling you where you are. Signs are not for the church. You have arrived. You're in Christ. You don't need signs and wonders. Now, Now, people in church are trying to get back to where you were when you were a baby or when the church was a baby or when Jesus walked the earth. When he walked the earth right here, there wasn't a Christian anywhere. Nobody was born again. And he did that as a sign and a wonder, and it was mercy. They didn't have a covenant. The Jews had an Old Testament blood covenant. But once you're born again, you're healed. 
You're not supposed to be praying for healing. You are not, don't throw anything at me. You're not the woman with the issue of blood trying to get a hold of his garment. You are his garment. Now see, because of wrong teaching, and I deal with this all the time, so let me just go ahead and dive out there. You guys, especially you young people, there's ministries coming into Orlando all the time, and you're enamored with signs and wonders. You're a Christian. You're not supposed to be seeking signs and wonders. You're no heathen. You're supposed to have signs and wonders. So because of that, people come to me all the time, and they're praying for a move of God. What they're praying for is for God to do for you like you're a heathen. And he's not going to do it. Thank y'all. Get excited because I'm, I'm, that clock is getting, I'm just stay all night until y'all guys get excited about the word. It's, you know, I'm saying all this because people get disillusioned because they're praying for things and it's not happening. And you think, we should pray more fervently or with more spizzerinctum or get 8,500 people together and pray for signs and wonders. I don't care if every Christian in America prayed for signs and wonders for the church. God's not going to do it. No matter what you want. Do y'all see that? Because you're praying wrong. You're praying incorrectly. So we see here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus had signs now, Brother Hagen made a statement in one of his CDs I was listening to one day, and he said, in 12 years of pastoring, the gifts of the Spirit only operated three times for Christians. He said, you will rarely get the gifts of the Spirit, um, gifts of miracles, working, uh, uh, the gift of, gifts of healing, working in a church with Christians in the building unless they're bringing their lost loved loved ones. And you'll always see it operating with those who come in who are not saved or babies. And yet, we've got people in this church praying for a move of God and signs and wonders. I'm going to tell you right now, you're wasting your time. Thank you all. Okay, I'm gonna, you know, y'all haven't got very excited yet. Uh, don't go to, go to James chapter one now, and I'm gonna go down nine different conditions the Bible places on answered prayer. Y'all wanna know what they are? If you'll do them, it'll work. If you'll do what he said, it'll work. James, and I'm gonna say this right off the bat. Most Christians, and I don't want to say most, let me rephrase that. Many Christians don't qualify for the answer. Did you know that? And yet, they're very disillusioned. Why God? Why you? Let me tell you something. God has never missed it yet. So we can stop. Why God? I'm going to tell you, if you're on the checkerboard with God and you moved 
He's moved after you did. He, he, he knew his next 50 moves before you ever did anything. So you're not praying that God would take care, would, would do his part. You don't have to keep praying for God to do his part. You need to find out what yours is. All right, now you, we need to go understand we're talking to Christians, which is a whole different ball of wax. Book of James 1, 2. My brethren counted all joy. That buried most Christians. You just stopped most Christians' prayer life right there. I had a man came in one day and he made a statement to me. And he said, I feel like you are asking us to put it on. I said, I am. Well, I don't want to put it on. I said, well, you're not ever going to get anything. If you're waiting to be full of joy, to, to, to count it joy, you may or may not ever get there. The reason it says count it joy is because you are considering it joy, though it is not. What you think about and what you do, you're always going to get the feeling after the faith. And you're going to do it by faith. So when we're having Holy Ghost meetings, we are prompting you to run though you feel like crap. That's Greek for stuff. I learned that from Rick Renner. All right, so I, we're, just, we're not even going to get going here. There is a time you need to make yourself get full of joy. Father God, thank you for the blood. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for answering prayer. Hallelujah. And you got up this morning and I noticed that you put on clothing. Thank you. Some of y'all, thank y'all. Because no matter what you think of nudity, 99% of the people you know don't need to be nude. They just are downright terrible looking. Amen. Um, um, uh, um, gravity is taken over. And they have the Chester drawers disease. Their chest is in their drawers. And the, anyway, never mind. I don't know how I got on all that. Count it all joy when you fall into divers. You got to put it on. The, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, Paul said, put on the new man. He ain't getting on. If you don't put him on, he ain't getting on. And if you're going to have joy, you're going to put it on. And it's going to precede the answer to the prayer. So it doesn't say when everything's going right. It's talking about when everything ain't going right. You're going to learn to count it all joy. All right, let's go on. My count, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith will produce patience. Patience does not mean Walmart patience where you're in line. It means to remain constant. Without wavering. Let patience remain constant, have its perfect work, so you'll be perfect, mature, and lack nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, underline wisdom and just put, you can put anything in there you want to. If you lack healing, if you lack money, no matter what you lack, let him ask God who gives to man all liberally without reproach, it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, no doubting. He who doubts, and the word doubt means to be double-minded. Now, did you ask God? Did he hear you? Why are you acting like he didn't hear you? What is that? It's called doubt. I'll come over here. I'm just going to come over here and preach. 
It's called doubt. It's, listen, flying by faith is much more difficult than flying by the way you feel. He heard you. Act like he heard you. Quit running around talking about the problem and looking sad and trying to get everybody to feel sorry for you. All right, now let's read what he says here because this is going to answer a question. He said, if any of you lacks anything, wisdom, let him ask of God. Let him ask in faith, no doubting. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he's going to receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded. In other words, when you see that in people, don't, don't lead them to believe the answer's coming. It's not. It's not coming. Now, y'all want to know how many people walk in this church off the street? Because we're a faith church. Somebody told me I don't have any faith. I said, you don't. I said, you go to a church that preaches against the Bible, how can you have faith when they preach against the Bible? I said, why don't you get in here and get some faith? Well, they told me, I, no, see, what they're trying to say is I, my faith is I have faith in God. That's not what he's talking about, having faith in God. We're talking about whatever Jesus said to you in the word of God, do you have faith in that? Do you believe, all right, by his stripes you're healed? Not going to be. You already are. You're saved, not praying for salvation. How many of y'all praying for salvation? Stop praying for healing. Stop, stop it, stop it, stop it. Amen. Yep. It's, all that is, is doubt. That's doubt. That's doubt. You're not a sinner praying to be healed. You're the healed resisting the devil because he's trying to steal what belongs to you. Get back in faith. No devil. You don't put it on. No, that's mine. No, I'm the hill. That's who you are. Don't be double-minded. Well, your body said, God said, your body said, God said. You got to get over this. You got to get, well, what if I die? Go, go be with Jesus. Because if you're going to doubt, you're going. You're going. Now, see, that, that bothers people who are not of our persuasion because they walk by what they see and feel and that's called carnality. And they can't get a reality outside of how I feel because my body rules me. And so they're double-minded. Don't let them think they're going to get, they're not. So most Christians, even faith and word Christians, never get healed. Never, never, never. Because they're double-minded. And they've never paid the price to be single-minded. It's not that they're bad. It doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. It just means they've not paid the price to learn truth that would set them free and be single-minded. That's, that's all that God, you're not waiting on God. How many people has come to Jesus to be born again and he said no? How many people came to Jesus for the healing and he said no? Nobody. So if you don't have yours, it's you. So you just look in there and go, well, found out where the problem was. It's me. And get back over there on the fact that you already are. And Jesus finished it. 
And because Jesus did it, it's yours. And get excited about what Jesus did and not you building your faith up to receive something that is already yours. Do y'all get that? That, I just described nine out of 10. Well, that's not true. 99% of the Christians in America and 80% in this church. Because people just, they just sit in church and look at you and, oh, 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 that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And they're in the hospital going, well, I'm believing God. And I go, where's your Bible? Yeah. I'm believing God. Well, yeah, what scripture? Well, oh, let me see. That one over there, um, um, uh, 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 you don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. All right. As long as you have two points of reference, and, and I don't have time. To, I got too many stuff to preach. And let me tell you something. When I was flying airplanes, the most difficult thing I learned was to fly by the instruments and not by the way I felt. My dad was flying one time, and he was in a Corsair, and he was upside down. And he's flying along in the clouds, and he's got his, his, thumb, his finger wrapping on the, the instruments because the instruments are all screwed up. It says he's upside down. And he says, oh, they're broken. And he's wrapping on them. He came out of the clouds, and he was upside down. He went, oh, I would fix it if I flipped the plane over, and he rolled the plane over. And, and the instruments, the instruments are right. Whenever you get your license, they will take you out, and they will screw your fieldings up. So you think you're diving and you're climbing. You'll think you're turning right and you're turning left, and they will show you how fast you can die if you go by your feelings. And once you learn to not go by your feelings, it is the easiest way to fly an airplane there is. Because the instruments are dead on it. You're flying out, we're at 2,000 feet, we're flying 090, we turn the plane, we're headed 360, we're flying up to 4,000 feet, pick it up Victor 159, head north across city, pick up the Victor, get the airway in there, climb up there, get your, and then your bar, you get your barometer, all that stuff, and, and all those instruments are telling you where you are and what you're doing and how far it is and, and all that, and it's all true. And it don't matter whether you look outside and can see your house. I don't know what city we're in. You don't need to look out and see what city you're in. What does the instrument say you are? Where, where does the instrument say you are? Well, it says we're 50 miles from Cross City. Well, that's where you are. Now, the Word of God will tell you where you are. And the faster you learn to fly totally by it, oh, baby, life gets sweet when you get totally on this thing. You quit worrying about what everything's going on. You're just like, because the world goes up and down and up and down and right and left. This don't ever change. This don't change. And it might be the hardest thing you do is learn to fly by it. But once you do, life is like, well, count it all joy again today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Jesus the Lord. Greater is he's in, inside of me. I'm blessed coming in. Blessed going out. Abraham, blessed man. Woo! Glory to God. You don't have a dime in your pocket. And everybody hates your guts. You know, God is for me. Who can be against me? This is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Hallelujah. All right. Go to Matthew 17. Y'all started shouting. So somebody got saved or something. I don't know what happened to y'all. Whatever funk y'all were in when you came in, you got over it. All right, it's Matthew 17, 14. I'm excited about tonight. You're going to get excited about it too. Yes. Yes. Matthew 17, 14. When they came to the multitude, a man came and knelt and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's epileptic, suffers severely, and often falls into fire and often in water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. 
And Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless. Oh, my gosh, he's chewing them out. Perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long do I bear with you? Bring him to me. And he rebuked the demon. It came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And the disciples came to privately and said, <laughs> what happened to us? And Jesus said, because of your what? Unbelief. Your unbelief. Unbelief is curable. Say it. Unbelief is curable. So anything is curable. If we can get your unbelief cured, we can get you healed. We get you blessed. We get your marriage back right. We get your kids straightened out. You get the unbelief dealt with, your life is turning around for the good. Amen. But he but listen, he told them the truth. It's you. Well, we couldn't heal them. It was not God, and it's not them. It's you, boys. And I've been up with y'all for two years now, and I'm about to leave and go to the cross, and you ain't got it yet, and you're going to get it before I get out of here. It's your unbelief. It's you. So what is unbelief? Unbelief, and are y'all ready? Don't get mad at me. It is unpersuadableness. That means that you know what it says, and I ain't doing it. Hallelujah. We're going to get into a couple of them in a minute. Are you all ready? You know why? I, I'll tell you, I don't feel. I, I'm going to tell you what I think about that. Have you all ever noticed how wrong God is? No. To most people? I mean, you, you, you quote a scripture and they go, but, <laughs> but what? <laughs> so unbelief is unpersuadableness. God could not persuade the Israelites to go in the promised land. Well, we could die. Well, you can die out here. Well, if I give money, I'll go broke. Well, you're broke now. <laughs> but that's all that unbelief is. And the other word for it is a little stronger. It's the word disobedience. I know what he said, but. All right, now can we get on one right now? And I'm just going to go ahead and bury three quarters of you. Let's just go ahead and bury you. How many of y'all pray in tongues every day? I mean, a lot. Okay, the ones that you don't, it's just raw unbelief. Well, I don't feel. Shut up and pray in tongues. You're asking your body truth. Your body ain't never going to give you no truth. Your body is a dumb, stupid hunk of flesh. That God won't let in heaven, it's so bad. He, that's why you got to die. He don't ever want to see your flesh again. It's killing you. And you're obeying it. Don't shout me down. All right, y'all, y'all were doing so good till I said that. But isn't it amazing how you'll say something to somebody and rather than go, oh, I might need to make an adjustment. You just get, <laughs> stick your lip out. Well, after a day, just go, well, I found out something tonight 
that part of my problem is I don't pray in tongues much. That is part of your problem. Father, bless them. Hebrews 4, 6, put it on screen. I just want to put it on screen. Since therefore there remains that some must enter in, those who first preached did not enter in, because of what? Children of Israel didn't go in the promised land because of disobedience. Now, you know, brought them through the Red Sea and they saw him freeze it. And they get over and make an idol. You know what the name of the idol was? Jehovah. Can I tell you something? Most Christians have an idol called Jesus, but it's not that one. Thank you. You created your own God to fit you. They wanted a God their way, but they named it Jehovah. Don't listen, boy, that was good. You and I are going to deal with this all of our life where we're going to read something and go, ooh, okay, I know what to do. Ouch, not sure I want to do that. And later you're going, I wish I had done that. I've done it. I've done it. I've had times when I just, I'm not going to do that. That's going to kill me. And I wished I had. Mark 6, 1. Number three, we're still on unbelief. Like I said, if unbelief is curable, then anything is curable. Unbelief, unbelief is cured when you get knowledge and then act on it. That's all that it is. Now, that, that sounds simple. It's, to some people, it's not quite so simple. But anyway, let's, let's read Mark 6, 1. And he went from there and he came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And the Sabbath had come, he began to preach in the synagogue, and hearing him, many were astonished and said, where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is that he has given him? Such mighty works are performed by his hands. Isn't he a carpenter? No. The son of Mary? Yes. Brother of James? Well, yes. But is that who he is? No. And aren't his sisters with us? And they were offended at him. And he said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and his own relatives. And he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. All right, I'm gonna, let's talk about this church for a minute. Want to? <laughs> Kenneth E. Hagin was preaching a sermon one time and he made a statement. Eh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll get, let's go there anyway. He said, I was in a church, and I couldn't get anybody healed in it. It's the will of God. And the Lord spoke to him and says, get him out of the building. So he took the, the people, so he knew that would offend the people. So he stood up, and he read a scripture, and I'm going to read it to you in a minute. How Jesus was praying for a guy and had to take him out of the city. Why? Unbelief. You don't realize this, but there's people sitting in this church that are killing the move of God. You have no interest in obeying God, not going to obey him, not going to do what he says. And you don't realize that until you repent and get sin out of your life, God ain't coming to your church and doing anything. That's hard. That sounds hard, but it's absolutely the truth. 
Now, see, even, you know, I'm preaching on the love of God Sunday morning, and y'all are happy about that. But I'm going to tell y'all why I'm doing it. Because the people in this church need to draw near him, and they're not doing it. You need to quit avoiding God and, and asking him and, and praying. You, you cannot continue five years, 15 years, 20, 25 years, 30 years being a born-again Christian the way you're going. To whom much is given, much is required. You can't keep going down this same road, coming in on Sunday morning, and then just kind of a half in. God ain't coming to your church. It is good. And I wanted to use the night because the, the saints are here. It's the serious crowd. If I can get you on, we can turn to church. Amen. And I'm planning on doing it or just ask God. Now listen, in the Old Testament, God told them, you're going to have to have all the old geezers die. Because I can't take them into the promised land until all the old religious people die off. When you have a church on fire for God and then all the people get lukewarm, then some of y'all are going to have to die to have a move of God. Amen. So God, God had to wait until they died off and then take Joshua and Caleb and all of their kids into the promised land because there wasn't any unbelief in them. See, there isn't any unbelief in the children's church. It's in here. Or disobedience. Are y'all out there to go home? See, some of this has to change. We've got to start learning. You're going to draw near to God. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I appreciate it. It says he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Let me, let me find my place. He marveled at their unbelief and went around the village just teaching. Now, folks, the only way you can get rid of unbelief is to do what I'm doing right now and teach you the Bible. Because when you open up your Bible and go, well, it says, it says build yourself up on your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Ghost, start. Well, my mama said, we don't care what your ignorant mama said. No matter what your mama said. Are y'all out there? You go home. Jesus' mama came to him. And they said, your mama is, and your brothers, you're causing some trouble. And she wants to talk to you. And he said, you tell my mama. That they, my mama's those who hear the word and do it. And he didn't even go out and acknowledge the mother of God. Until she got born again filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't care what your mama said. I don't care if your mama called you. I don't care if your mother-in-law called you. You better find out what God told you to do. Amen. So, so unbelief stopped. Now was Jesus anointed? Did it stop him? Is it, come on, y'all. Is it stopping him now? No. Absolutely, yeah, it is. Unbelief is stopping him now. That is the thing that kills churches is unbelief. I know what the Bible says, but, but, all right, let's move on. Woo, here we go. Matthew 11, let's go. I was getting ahead of myself, but we are gonna go there now. Matthew 11. Y'all can handle this? 
All right, Matthew eleven twenty. And he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Now, let me make a statement to you. You are responsible for the Bible you have heard. You either did it or you didn't. Are you all out there? All right, now, now listen to me. We read, we read the Gospels and think Jesus had a mighty move of God, but he said they didn't repent. I mean, people raising the dead, walking on water the whole nine yards. They didn't turn to God. How much have you all seen? It can get quiet right now if y'all want to. How much have you seen? How much do you know? How much are you doing? Come on. This is a strong message, but let's get there. I want you guys to start getting your prayers answered, but you're going to have to go back and realize that at some point in your life, God is going to shut you down and say, I've been waiting on you for X number of years to get it right. Don't come back in my throne room anymore until you get your life where it needs to be. I've healed you. I've delivered you. I've set you free. I've paid your bills, and you're still lukewarm, and you don't do what I say. Don't even come back in my throne. I don't even want to talk to you. Woo! This is what he did right here. This is what he did. He's talking to towns. This is the town he had to get the guy out of because he already cursed the city. He ain't playing a game. Obedience is not optional. Okay, well, let's just finish reading. Woe, Chorazin, woe, Bethsaida, if the mighty works were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they'd have repented long ago in sackcloth. But I say to you, it'll be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon the day of judgment than you. Woe, Capernaum, you are exalted to heaven. You're going to be brought down to hell. If the mighty works that were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. And I say to you, it'll be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than you. Jesus shows up, signs and wonders and miracles are happening in, in the town. He's requiring something out of them. I came, I'm God, and I told you who I was, and y'all are acting like that's not true. Anybody know why prayers aren't being answered in America? How much do, do we, listen, you got more Bible on your television in one day than, than they had in the 40s in a year. Y'all have forgotten more than any generation has ever heard. And you can't even hardly get half the people to lift up their hands and worship God and to obey God and be led by the Spirit or pray in the Holy Ghost in a tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy-rolling church. I don't know why God answered my prayer. You ought to thank you, God, you're not dead. It's called mercy. Now, I know this is strong, but we don't ever preach on, you know, these scriptures, somebody ought to preach on them sometime. They're in here. 
I know that don't sound, you know, everybody don't like it. But I'm trying to answer questions because y'all are sitting around here going, well, I've been praying about it. Why don't you ask him what he wants you to do? Now, he's not going to unload all of it on you. He's going to give you two or three things. And I'm going to say this so y'all understand this. When the boys were two and three years old, it was a different world than it is now. I don't treat Justin the way Dad treated him when he was five. Get a job. Mow your grass and then come mow mine. I mean, you know, I mean, just don't. You're not a little boy any longer. So come on, y'all, listen. God's not treating the church like a bunch of children in this nation. He's not treating you like a bunch of ignorant heathen. You're sons and daughters of God. You got it. There's enough books out there for you to have a revival. And you pay more for your cell phone and can't afford one book. Don't, don't think that God don't know that. Now let's talk about guest speakers coming and you sitting at home. They bring a supply and you didn't get it. You are running around without a supply. You didn't come, you didn't honor God, and you didn't get it. They brought equipment, you didn't get that either. So you're running around right now on a quarter of a tank of gas and no equipment and you're wanting to know why your life is messed up. You, because you're walking and you should be riding. He brought the, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipment of the saints. They bring equipment. You can't get it if you don't come get it. That's called disobedience. And now you are praying about something and God's sitting up there going, I sent the answer. Where are you home watching what? Don't shout me down, y'all. Just don't. I mean, I realize it'll all be over in a few. And you can go home and, and tell your neighbors the Lord told you to go to another church. Because you never learned how to spell faithful. All right, now that's another one. I understand that's unbelief too, but, but that's all right. Nobody understands. That's all right. All right. You know, it's amazing when you don't know who your pastor is, your pastor don't even know who you are. The Bible says we're going to give an account, and I'm going to go, who? I walked in, a, 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 I won't tell you where I was because y'all know who it was. Two of three of you will know. I walked in a business one day and a lady said, hey, pastor. And I looked at Lisa and I went, who is it? She says, I don't know. I said, hi, ignorant as a rock. I didn't know who it is. So then a few minutes later, she leaves and I went, who is she? And she told me and I went, oh, yeah, we married him 20 years ago. That's a hi, sweetheart. I don't. I don't know who. I don't know you. Y'all want your prayers answered? I'm being serious. Are y'all tired? 
of not getting your prayers answered. Get tired of it. Get sick of it. Get mean about it. I'm getting my prayers answered. I'm getting, this is for me, and I am getting my prayers answered. I serve an almighty God. He's a holy God. He answers prayer, and I'm getting my prayers answered. And you, you may look in the mirror and go, shut up, stupid. We're getting our prayers answered. Now, I wouldn't say that to you, but you can say that to you. <laughs> Luke 12, 48. Pop it on the screen. Are you all ready? Because it's getting stronger. It's going to get stronger. 12, 48. Let's, let's read. <laughs> but to he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes, he'll be beaten with few. And everyone who as much as given him will be required. To him much has been committed. To him they'll ask the more. Um, that's New King James. It, it, I don't know where that is and whether I missed it or not. But it says, to whom much is given, much is required. Folks, you're, 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 not, you're not babies. It's not your first week in church. It's not your first year. You can't sit in church any longer and just learn a new truth. Folks, this is not a Bible school. This is a church. And I'm not a Bible school teacher to teach you new deep truths. I want to know your name, and I want to know where you are. And I want to know whether you're growing. And if I don't, don't ever call me pastor again. Because I'm not yours. Go find him. And start obeying God. Stop it. That's, folks, you, you got to know better than this after two or three or four. Ten years, 50, 50, 20 years later. We're going to get in on Sunday morning talking about love. And we're going to get to serving. It's going to scare the heck out of people. Jesus is God and he washed feet. That means you're not always going to get to do what you want to. I'm not a Floridian. There is nothing about Florida I like. I'm from Georgia by God. Four seasons, trees. Wet, tempered, fall, yes. peaches, Amen. bulldogs. I mean, I'm not from here, but I am here in obedience. He said to me, take this church. I took the church. Are you all out there? Find out where you belong. That's called obedience. All right, well, are you all doing good? It don't matter. You say, yeah, anyway, it don't matter now. Hebrews 5, 12. Let's go there. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, he's not missing God. See, if I can't talk like this to, to mature people. Folks, I, I got to get a group in this church to go, 
We're moving on. We're moving on with God. We're going to go move on with God. These kids are dependent on you. They depend on you. You don't have a right to be lukewarm when you're raising kids in this church. They need you to stay strong. Again, your, te- your young adults, the young adults, they need to watch you. They, they need examples of what a Christian is. Hebrews, know that, now I, I know that y'all are thinking coffee right now. Lisa goes Hebrews in the morning. That means I'm supposed to get up and get to make the coffee. 512, let's go there. Y'all ready? For though by this time you ought to be teachers. We're not talking about in a pulpit. We're talking about you ought to be able to teach someone the Bible. But you need someone one more time to put you in a class. 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, you're still sitting in a class learning the Bible. Again, the principles of the oracles of God, you have come to need milk and not solid food. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of God, for he's a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are full age that by reason of use, say use. That means you're doing the word and not just hearing it. The Bible you're not doing, you don't believe anything. If you're not doing it, you do not believe it. The word belief is the, is the English word by live. It means a principle you live by. If you don't live by it, you don't believe it. That is what belief is, something you live by. Somebody knows every day of your life exactly how you're going to act. If you tell the truth, that's something you believe, telling the truth. If you don't steal, it's because you believe. You don't believe in stealing. You believe in working. That's a belief. All right. Belief is only formed as you act. It's not formed sitting and listening to someone preach. Belief is not formed sitting in a church listening to someone preach. Belief is not formed by CDs. Belief is not formed by Bible school. Belief is not formed sitting in church. Belief is formed when you bring your Bible and you mark it and you go home and go, oh my God, after Wednesday night, I see 10 things, we better make adjustments. That's belief. Number one, we're going to start praying in the Holy Ghost more. Number two, we're going to, we're going to start, we're going to grow up and quit being babies. Are y'all okay? I don't care if you are or not. Just say yeah. I want to do a video one day. Lisa won't let me. And, and I, want, I want to get a, a baby outfit, a, a, a bonnet and a baby carriage about six feet. And I want to get a, one of those little dresses and some booties, and I want her to put me in it and come in. And I'm going to sit in there and, <laughs> and spoon feed me carrots. and <laughs> So y'all will know what it's like to pastor you. <laughs> Carrots. <laughs> Spinach. <laughs> it's an airplane. It's an airplane. It's an airplane. It's coming in the hangar. Open up. Womb. Oh, good boy. All right, we did it. 
when they were one. Right. Now, I'm going to tell on him again. Justin did not like green peas. He couldn't stand green peas. So we set him down and he's sitting at the table and he wants something else. And Mama ain't cooking him nothing because he wants, you can eat the green peas. So he fell asleep in them. We picked him up, took him to bed, put him in the bed without dinner. Woke up in the morning and guess what he had for breakfast? Green peas. Green peas. We don't have three menus in our house. We have one. Nobody asks you what you wanted. You're going to eat what we put in front of you. And let's call. Y'all ought to see your faces. What has he been doing? Did he not pray enough before he came? I prayed a lot before. I've been praying over this for days. Matter of fact, when the Lord first started talking to me about this, I went, woo, this is going to be good. But he said, go in there and tell them why, why their prayers aren't getting answered. Go tell them why they're not getting answered. It isn't God. Meet the condition. All right, we'll get off this, I think. John 15, 7. We'll lighten up a little bit. John 15. You ready? This will be a little more palatable for you. 15, 7. If you abide in me, say, I do. And my words abide in you, you can ask anything you desire to be done. All right, let me ask you something. Is the word in you? I'm not talking about because you heard someone preaching on a CD. I'm not talking about what you heard on CD. I'm talking about have you eaten and meditated on that scripture until it's yours. I mean, you can, you can fall in a coma and you'll come out quoting scriptures. Is that in you that strong? I mean, is the word in you? If any man's in Christ, I am a new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything has become new. He's forgiven every iniquity, healed every disease. He has redeemed my life from destruction and crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies so that my youth is renewed like an eagle's. You say, well, did you just, I I quote, I I meditate on it all the time. Forgives every iniquity. Heals every disease. Every iniquity. Every disease. Greater is he that is inside of me than he that is in this world. The greater one, the greater one lives on the inside of me. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Are you there? Because I'm going to tell you something, you got to get it in you. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, and you might have to walk some miles, you might have to get your Bible out and mark it up a little bit and walk around and start quoting the word. But I'll tell you, it gets addictive to start quoting the word and quoting the word and quoting the word. And all of a sudden you're thinking, whoa, and then the answers start coming. Prayers start, you're going, my God, that worked. Amen. Now this goes back with walking by faith and not by sight. Listen, are y'all okay? This is how you do it. Jesus said you can ask what you desire. There's, There's a lot of things that were hard for me. I'm going to tell you what one of them is. When my, when my dad left my mother, we were well off, medium, 
class Americans. My dad was a captain in the Marines Corps, had a decent salary, worked at Lockheed as an engineer. So we, we had money. We didn't, I don't say we'd filthy rich, but we had money. Well, alcoholism ate his lunch. I don't remember him sending mom the alimony check all that often because she was always, listen, Preston Allman is her lawyer. I know that. I learned it as a boy. I learned mama's lawyer's name because she had to sue dad for the alimony. So we didn't have a lot of food. We didn't have a lot of money. Hardest thing I had to do when I got saved was to get over a poverty mentality. It did not die in me easy. We never had new towels. Never. Holiday in towels with holes in it. When I married Lisa, we didn't have an old towel. I, w- I didn't know what to dry my hands on. I felt guilty drying my hands on a new towel. Never had done. I never had one. Your mind wants to stay there. You got to get that thing renewed. And, I, and it didn't die. I didn't just jump from there. I had to kill poverty a dollar at a time. I had to, I had to go after this devil. I am, you know, he, my God meets all of my needs according to his riches. And I mean, I mean, when I was making 11 an hour to believe God for 12 was hard. And I was very smart. My, my grandfather's a professor of Holocaust at University of Georgia. My dad's one point below genius. I have an engineering mind. I can look at something and figure out how it works. I am, no, I am a long ways from stupid, but I couldn't overcome. But I, but I had such a poverty mentality. God gave me a business, and I, and I couldn't believe God to take it. I was afraid to not work for someone else. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those are everything in life. You're going to fight for it. You got to get the word of God in you and start fighting for the victory. Jesus, I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. Everything in life, you're going to fight. It's yours. Come on, y'all. And yet, if you're going to just take it lightly, listen, it's not going to work. Well, I'm just believing God for a better job. Well, what scripture are you standing on? Well, Mark 11, 23, I have what I say, and I have a better job in Jesus' name. That's not real to you. I mean, is, it, is the word real? You, is it in your mouth? Is it in your heart? Are you saying it? Do you believe it? Are you standing on it? Justin came to me one time, and he was working at Friday's. And I said, how much money? He says, I want to make more money. I said, how much do you make? I don't know. How much did you make? Ten bucks an hour. I said, what do you want to make? He said, well, 11. I said, well, how much do you make? He goes, ten dollars. I said, how much do you make? He goes, ten. I said, how much do you make? Finally, after about five minutes, he went, eleven. I said, all right. Wasn't long, he made eleven. I walked up to him one day, I said, how much you make? He says, eleven. I said, how much you make? He said, eleven. I said, how much you make? He goes, he said, twelve. And then he went from hourly to salary and he makes more than I do now. You actually do. I got to kick it up once. Are y'all getting this? Most Christians are not, they don't, they're not fighters. 
just sit around and wait on God. It's just pure lazy unbelief is all that it is. It's waiting on the Lord. And nothing changes in your life till the day you die of sickness and disease and ask everybody why. Don't, no, don't. Then occasionally somebody comes along and jumps on the word of God and you're like, hello. Um, Psalm 1, how are we doing for time? We're good. Psalm 1, go to there. Go to Philemon 1.6. I want, I want you to see this. Are y'all ready for this? Let, let's, I'm, I'm lightening up a little bit. Say amen. Come on, I'm lightening up. Amen. All right. Philemon 1.6, pop it up here. I'm going to wait. Now, you ought to thank God I'm not Mark. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing in you in Christ. What did he say? You want it to change? You get your Bible out and start saying what it says. And you get it in you. Who are you? I don't want to hear your skin color. Flesh profits nothing. I don't care anything about your skin. I don't even care anything about where you were raised. You are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything has become new. And that's what I want to hear out of you. And no man, if God is for me, who could be against me? Your, the sharing of your faith becomes effective by your acknowledging every good thing in you in Christ. Now go to Psalm 1. I got enough time to go. <laughs> I'm going to get on the other one. Yes, amen. I got one down here I want to get on, but I, it's pretty strong, and I don't think y'all can handle it. I don't think y'all can handle it. I did a little bit while ago. I already went on a little bit. Psalm 1, 1. Let's read it. He, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scornful. The next one. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he what? M meditates in it. It's not changing. Nothing's changing. Nothing's changing until you start meditating in the Word. You find your scriptures and you meditate. You find them and you meditate. You find them and you sit and you look at it and you read it and you meditate on it and you mutter it. You worry the word. Worry the word. Oh, my God, we have so much money, we don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> In other words, you're thinking about it. You're actually sitting back and thinking about it. Not just when I preach to you on Wednesday and then on the way home. You have no idea what I preached and you, until next Sunday. That's not meditating on the word. All right. Romans 8. Now let's get on tongues. I jumped on it a while ago. Let's go back over there. Romans 8. The very last thing. Well, it's not really the last thing. There's two or three more, but this will be the last one for tonight. No matter what y'all say, you ain't ready for the rest of this. Romans 8. <laughs> Yeah, let me get on one. You ready? Yes, 
You ready? When there's a guest speaker and he's up here talking, why are y'all sitting back there talking to each other loud enough that someone needs to tell you to shut up? And the next time it happens, would you please turn to him and poke him and tell him to be quiet? I'm I'm sitting here, and Mark is preaching, and I'm not going to point where. I can hear people's conversations over the guest speaker. And I'm going, hey, numbnut, shut up. See, folks, listen, whatever happened to honor? There's a scripture, don't grieve the spirit of God. Now, I'm going to get off Romans 8, and I'm going to tell you a story now. When I worked with Tom Copeland and I was the youth pastor, there was times I made announcements and he never got the pulpit back. (laughs) You can ask Betty if that's true. That's absolutely true. And he didn't care. One Sunday, I remember taking the pulpit, and the anointing of God for healing came in the building so strong. And I mean, it came on me, and it's like a pea coat. It's like a, a wool coat soaked in water. It's very heavy on you. And all, it gets on you, and you're like, well, we're going to have a service now. And the people were talking and talking and talking. And the anointing lifted. And another anointing came on me. And he was mad. He said, now you tell them if they'll get out and repent for the way they are acting in in my presence, I'll come back. And I got up and rebuked them, which youth pastors are not supposed to do. But the Holy Ghost said to. And and when they and people in that church got out of their chairs and I saw and they got on the floor. They repented. And the Holy Ghost came back. And everybody with the flu got healed. Everybody with sick got healed. Everybody in the building got healed. You know why he don't show up here? He don't like this church as much as you think he does. You're not going to pray through this. You're going to repent through it. We got some adjustments we're going to start making in this church. Come back to reverencing God. Acting like this is important. Not a side issue. Y'all ready for this? John Bevere's book, and he told the story about him down in South America. And the same thing happened. And he got up and he said, you get up there and you rebuke him. And it was a huge meeting. There's thousands of people in the building. And they got out of their chairs and got before God. We got to get some people back in altars in this church. You get it, you get in the altar, you get your life right. And when, it, and when they did, it says he thought an airplane flew over and there's no airport nearby. The power of God hit that place. And I mean, God showed up and started healing people and blessing people all over that building. Now you're praying for it, but it's not going to happen until we make some adjustments. Are y'all okay? All right. That's what I wasn't going to say. And, and I got a few more, but I'm going to leave them because they're not, you, you guys are, You guys get it. Now go to Romans 8. God gave you a person. Who is he? Say Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is smarter than you. Holy Ghost is smart. All right, I'm going to show you how to get every prayer answered. Even for dumb people. 
<laughs> I'm talking about myself right now. Listen, I'm not as smart as you think I am, but I know what to do when I'm having a dumb moment. All right, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit, Holy Ghost, helps you in your weakness, for you do not know what you should pray for as you ought. But the Spirit will make intercession for you with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. He's making intercession for you according to the will of God. And then you know all things are going to work together for the good. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you something. He gave you an eye gift. If you didn't need it, he, he wasted his time giving him to you. You say, but pastor... You're talking about all the things that I'm doing right now and I'm not getting my prayers answered and I, and I have some unbelief and I have some disobedience and I was the one talking during the thing and I wasn't even here, but I got news for you. And I mean, I ain't talking about three minutes or four minutes while you, I'm talking about get in there and pray in the Holy Ghost a while. You know, there's times, and I know y'all think I'm all that spiritual, but I have woke up in the morning and fear on me so strong, I'm sweating in the bed and the sheets are sucked because I'm just scared out of my ever-loving mind. I'm a quarter million dollars in the hole, and they're coming to get me, and they're gonna, I'm going bankrupt and everything. Y'all ain't never had nothing that happen to you. And the doctor told me I was going to die, and what do you do? What do you do? What do you do when you're going to die and you're broke? Say, what else do you do? Shout about it some more. How about it? Shout about How long? I don't know. Four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning. Wake up, go to work, pray in the Holy Ghost. While I'm out of Dean, all the while your head's going, it won't work, it don't work, it don't work, it don't work. And you're going, it has to work. It has to work. Come on, Holy Ghost inside of me. Help me pray this out. And God is able to turn everything around. He's able to make all grace abound towards you. And then while I was Shondai, Shondai, tying my bow tie, he told me about a man. And I went to his office and he loaned me the money that I needed. And he gave me a first mortgage on my house and a bank picked up my house and I didn't lose a quarter of a million dollars. And then he gave me, he told me what to do about my health. And I started doing what? And a year that I was supposed to be dead went into two and three years. And I don't know how long I was supposed to be dead 10 years ago and I'm still alive. But I'll tell you what helped me. How to day, my son today, and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, the ones of you that I got on to you when you first came in here, because you don't ever pray in the Holy Ghost, because you walk by with your feelings and not by faith, why don't you just start? Why don't you just tell your body and your mind, just shut up. Then ask you your opinion. If I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Shut up. So I got to tell one story on myself because I'm, I can only tell on me. One night I'm laying in my bed and everybody in the house is sick. Everybody is sick. Got the croup. Y'all know what they go. And I'm praying. And God didn't do nothing, as usual. Right. And I can remember, I mean, I don't know what, it was about 4 o'clock in the morning. And he lifted me up out of my bed okay. in the air. And he dumped me in the floor. Okay. I said, that's rude. <laughs> I've fallen out in the power when someone laying hands on me, but I ain't never had anybody pick me up and throw me out of my bed. He was so tired of hearing me whine. Yeah. He said, get up and go downstairs praying the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Now, this was back when I didn't know what I know. I was a lot like y'all. I was a little timid, <laughs> shy. You know, what, you know what shy is? Pride. What are people going to say? And nobody's even, 
You people think people are thinking about you. They don't even think about you good or bad. Forget it. When the people say it, they ain't saying nothing. And let, no, no, no. Yeah. All right. So I go downstairs and I got a mental image that the people next door in the apartment have come down and they have their ear against the wall. <laughs> and I'm sitting in my living room at four in the morning and I'm praying like this. <laughs> and I prayed like that about five minutes and I stopped. And I mean, he was rough with me. He said, I don't hear you. I said, I prayed. He said, we'll pray some more. You know, when you first begin, someone says, I feel like it's me. Who else would it be? So I'm in there, my, I'm downstairs in my living room, an apartment complex. I finally got over, quit worrying about the neighbors next door, coming downstairs and thinking I'm a weirdo. Isn't it amazing what your mind will do to you? I finally, and I mean a half an hour later, this is where I learned this. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess it was about 30 minutes later. Y- y'all ever ride a bicycle and chain come on? Sometimes when you're Praying in tongues, it's like there ain't no chain. Ain't nothing happening. I mean, about 30 minutes, the chain hooked. Oh, I mean, I hit something. And I mean, I didn't care what anybody next door thought. And all of a sudden, I'm like, go to holler. I'm down in my living room praying in the Holy Ghost. And about a half an hour of that, I mean, everybody sick in the house went, yeah. got air quiet, and everybody was healed, and God said, you can go to bed now. Yeah. I went, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm going to say something, and y'all, I'm going I'm to try to help the ones of you that I offended when you came in. Yeah. When I got born again, I was introvert, totally. I didn't talk to anybody. I was scared to talk to people. When I went to Ramah, I had one friend, Tom Copeland. I never talked to anybody at Ramah. I don't even know anybody at Ramah. We just went back for our 80th, 1980, and I just met Jim Andrews. He's in my class. I just met him. <laughs> 40 years later, I finally meet a guy who was in my class. Hi, Jim. I saw you 40 years. Hey, I know you. I never talked to nobody back then. I, but I had to get over it. How did I get over it? I'm going to tell you something. Holy Ghost will get you over being afraid of people. I mean, I didn't talk to people. I, I was totally introvert. Yeah. Holy Ghost will get you out of that mess. Yeah. Fear of man. Yes. Fear of what people think. You live in Florida. Everybody here is talking a weird language. Yeah, they're Japanese, Chinese, Puerto Ricans. I don't know. They're everybody, Mexicans, yeah. Russians. They're all over the place. You're down at Disney, just walk around. Ain't nobody thinks anything about it. You're at Disney. I don't know whether I helped you or not, but I preach myself happy. I know some of y'all are mad as hot. Okay, it's all right. You'll get over it. How many of you are ready to get your prayers answered? Don't go through this life 
with the name of Jesus and the power of God inside of you and not get your prayers out. Don't you do it. Find out why and make the adjustment. If it's unbelief, it's curable. Find out what it is and go, I ain't doing that anymore. Well, glory be to God. And I'm going to tell you something. It, you're not going to change in a week. But don't stay where you are. Don't you stay where you are. Something isn't working, you get in there before God and find out why it didn't work. Now he'll tell you. Man, the things he wants to do for us. But we got to make the adjustments. There, there's, there's conditions. Sometimes we're not meeting them. And you being a good little sweet Christian ain't working. I'm a sweet Christian. That's wonderful. You'll die and go to heaven early and you're so sweet. <laughs> it's true anyway. And in case you want to live long and have a good life, let's just make some adjustments. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.